This podcast contains explicit material. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to this mini text episode of The Joy of Text. I'm Sarah Rosner Lawrence, and I'm here as usual with Dr. Batsheva Marcus, Clinical Director of Mays Women's Health, and Rabbi Dov Linzer, Rosh Yeshivan President of Yeshiva Chovei Torah. Hey guys! Hello! So, what text do you have for us today? So I thought we would look at a text from the Gemara, from Sukkah 52a, and it's a famous text, but I don't think we've ever discussed it as a group, so I'd love to hear your thoughts. So here's the Gemara, and it says as follows. Tanu Rabbanan, our rabbis taught, now this is in the middle of a whole major discussion relating to the Yetzir Hara, which in the Gemara tends to mean the sexual drive, not just the general desire to sin, although it could mean that as well. Um, so it quotes a verse, and it says, I will distance this uh, the northern one from you, but it says this is referring to the Yetzir Hara, which is hidden in the hearts of human beings. And then the end of the verse says, because he has done greatly, like the great power of the Yetzir Hara. And the text says as follows, that the power of the Yetzir Hara is greatest amongst the Torah sages. And then it tells the following story. It once happened that Abai heard a man say to a woman, let us rise early and we'll go on the road. And Abai thought, I'll follow them and prevent them from sinning, because he assumed that they were having some sexual assignation. He went after them about three miles or three meal through the reeds, and he heard them saying, our conversation has been so nice, and now we must take separate roads. Said Abaye, my enemy, meaning myself, would not have contained himself. I could not have, if I was with that woman taking that path, I would not have been able to contain myself. He leaned against the bolt of a door and was very sorry that he would have been worse than a common man. So here, I, a rabbi, would not have been able to control myself, and these, this man and woman just were friends. And an old man came to him and taught, the greater a man is, the more is he tempted by the evil spirit, by the Yetzir Hara. And the Hebrew is, anyone who is greater than his friend, his uh, desire, his Yetzir, is stronger than, than the friend. So, oh my God! Can I can I jump in? I don't want to interrupt jump you. In. Very famous Gemara. I'd love to hear your thoughts. So I, I would wonder that there may be a slightly alternate perspective on this, and that the more you put up barriers, or the more you like make things, um, you know, you make th- things into a big deal of being not allowed, the harder and the sort of heavier it sits on your head. I'm saying this really inarticulately, but it's kind of like. If you take a boy and a girl who go to public school together mm. and hang out all the time with boys and girls, and then you send them off to do like an errand, you don't have two seconds of thought that, oh my right. God, they will, the Yetzirah will overtake them. But if you take two kids from a Haredi community <laughs> who never, ever, ever have an opportunity to hang out together, all of a sudden the whole interaction becomes so much more fraught. So uh-huh. that's the first thing that goes through my head here. That's so interesting. It's normally not mm-hmm. done, or is it also because the reason it's not done is because it's always framed as being a sexual temptation, and therefore that's the lens that's brought to it. Like the reason men and women we don't, you know, have them go together in the Haredi community is because woman is sexual temptation, and we're afraid of your Yitzhar Hara, and therefore if that's always the message, that that also becomes the lens through which you know the the experience is taking place. I think both are true. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean. My first thought when I when I heard this text was 
on a totally different tack and maybe not as positive, I was like, oh God, this sounds like a total apologetic for like powerful people, like sexually Mm -hmm. harassing other people. It's like, oh, you know, the greater you are, the greater your temptation is going to be. And it totally like rubbed me the wrong way. Um, But I guess... Bacheva, your reading is really interesting. I'm like trying to relate to it as like the, you know, heavier and higher your set of expectations for yourself are the like heavier that might weigh upon you. Like how how, how would you understand that? The greater the rabbi, quote unquote, the greater the rabbi, most likely the more he has separated himself out from the day-to-day workings of the world, right? Like When we think about great rabbis in particular, we think about people who have kind of a little bit cloistered themselves from the world. And that's where I'm going with this. Although I do think you're reading, Sarah, which is fascinating to me about the powerful people. There's a whole other way to look at this, which is that we often complain about the fact that powerful people are the ones who are much more sexually abusive. And sometimes I feel like, well, we kind of bring it on ourselves because the people that we choose as the powerful people, and I'm not sure rabbis would fall into this category, but certainly politicians. And we go after like people who are charismatic and a little bit narcissistic and who, you know, love to have, be, you know, loved and want adulation, right? And we love those people. We pick them, we pick them as movie stars, we pick them as politicians. And then we're surprised when they behave that way. Dove is making a face, which you cannot see because it's a podcast. Um, so I'm going to shut up and let Dove no, talk. No, it's not that I disagree with you. It's just I think that we're missing, uh, you know, what I, I would consider sort of an obvious perspective, which is that it's not just who we value, but the reality that if you think about Yatesir as more generally as drive, it could be sexual drive, but drive, lust, you know, that not that often what makes people great? What sort of, you know, why somebody is like not just your average, you know, person, but no, like I have a passion of doing something in the world, making a difference. I've got all this, you know, maybe it's, sec- I don't know if we call it sexual energy that is sublimated and redirected, or we just call it Yatesir in general, you know, that sometimes expresses itself sexually and sometimes in other I ways. love that. That's super that, interesting. That I really so like that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I think this is, yeah, I think, I think that that's absolutely true. The non-psychologist of the group is the one who came up with that, with that. Well, I I think there's different ways to look at this. I think it's, I think it's a really, really interesting concept, you know, and I think, did the Gemara deal with as to why at all or no? No, it it never does. that statement, you know, it is in the context of a discussion of Yatesir, which is not limited to sexual, although the Gemara often sort of reduces Yetzir to the sort of sexual drive. You know, I mean, there's a medrash that says on the Pasuk that, uh, you know, God saw on the end of the sixth day, he tov ma'od, you know, that it was very good. So the medrash says tov ma'od is Yetzir Hara. So, <laughs> so which is a very, uh, you know, mean? suggestive medrash. So some want to say it means tov ma'od means mostly good because the Yetzir Hara isn't good. But the medrash actually says were it not for the Yetzir Hara, a person wouldn't build, you know, a, a, a major building and wouldn't get married. And so it sort of speaks about the value of the Yetzir as a very cr- constructive, creative force that can, of course, be, dis- you know, destructive as well. 
Right. It is really interesting that, first of all, when he talked about these people that were going traveling, I kind of assumed it was a couple. So it took me a while to realize that it wasn't a couple. Mm-hmm. But the other question also is, is the, the rabbi assumes that the same woman he's attracted to, everybody's attracted to. Mm. And I feel like that's fascinating in and of its own self, right? He assumes, well, the guy would have trouble with any woman at all, or just this particular woman, or, and if that's the case, was it just like any sort of vaguely attractive woman would be at the Atahara material? Or was it this woman in particular? And then the assumption that this woman was that for this guy as well as him. I, I know I'm taking us down kind of a, like a winding pathway, but I, I find that also a little bit amusing. And that goes back to what I was saying about, you know, if you have no exposure to something, if you've mm-hmm. limited your exposure to something, it makes it much more tempting. You know, it's like, um, what's the expression? Mayim ganuvim imtaku? Do I have that right? Like, right. Stolen waters will are, you know, are sweeter. Um, so, or, or the worst, the, the text about the fact that, you don't trust that somebody's not going to have sex with their um, fiance the day before the wedding because, but you're not worried about it after the wedding right. because hospitalo is that the expression? Exactly. Um, exactly yeah. Right. Yeah. Once you have the bread in your basket, <laughs> you don't want the bread as much as if it's not in your basket. Like there was no description of the attractiveness or desirability of the woman. It was almost like, for like exactly what you said that for Abaye being so sheltered. The opportunity to be with any woman would have been just such a irresistible temptation, you know? So exactly that. So I think so, Abaye needed a shit off. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, like, was Abaye married? Was he, <laughs> did he have any outlet here? And also, what was he doing following this couple? Like, why is that his job yeah, to I follow them and make sure that they don't sin? A little creepy. Is that is the Yetzirah giving itself a certain allowance? Like, oh, I'm going to make sure they don't sin. But in the there's something very right, uh, uh, you know, um, what's the word? Um, titillating about, I think, you know, about the possibility of, of, of what's going to happen. Yeah. So. It kind of, yeah. It kind of reminds me of the Will story of the, of the student who goes under the bed. Right. Exactly. So like listen to his teacher That's having sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. Evan knows that story well. <laughs> yeah. My favorite text. I use it all the time. Well, now you'll have to use this one as well. Yes, definitely. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much My for this pleasure. fascinating right. story. <laughs> This episode of The Joy of Text was produced and edited by Max Hollander and is a project of the Lindenbaum Center at YCT. If you have any questions or comments you'd like to share with us, you can do so anonymously at www.thejoyoftext.org. The Joy of Text is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, or any podcast app. If you like what you hear, show us your support by giving us a five-star rating and stay up to date with our latest episodes and live events by following us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. 